Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston, Executive Recruiter, Director of Recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today, I have brought you yet another amazing guest. So let me tell you all about her so we can hurry up and get her on here so she can share some of her wisdom with us today. So today, I'd like to welcome Berta Medina, founder of Dreamers Succeed. Berta is an accountability and adventure coach, infusing classic coaching with a healthy dose of discovery and adventure. With her specialized trademark of comfort zone coaching, she's revolutionized the path to growth for individuals and teams. You just wait till I tell you what she does. She is also a certified, wait for it, here's my plug for the episode, certified go-giver speaker and practices the go-giver philosophy of another one of our guests, Bob Berg. She joins us today to discuss accountability and how you can utilize it to push yourself to success. Berta, I am so I just want to sit here and go, Berta, 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 Berta. <laughs> Hi. Hello. So happy to be here, Casey. I knew from the moment I saw you on the networking hub that we're both a part of with, and mm-hmm. I like to kind of make the connections for people because I, I, I want people to see how you can make connections and keep networking. It doesn't stop with just when I made, met Frank Agin because then he mm-hmm. brought me you and you have brought me some amazing people, some of which or whom will be coming up on the show in later episodes. Right. But I am just, you know, was so thrilled because I knew I was like, it's like, the energy's connected. I was like, oh yeah, we gotta, we gotta be best friends. Yeah. 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 And it was so funny, Casey, because Frank connected us and then Scott connected us. Scott Ferguson. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, so now I know this is real. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. And that picture that you and Scott took, Scott Ferguson took of you two having coffee, so unfair. Really? That I'm not going to tell you that we're getting together again tomorrow for coffee. I will leave that out of this conversation. (laughs) Man. And, you know, and I've got to get down here. I I do. I need to because I want to go see Bob and I want to uh, meet him in person for the first time. Um, And I just thought that was so great that, you know, because we talk about the go-giver philosophy on almost every single episode. And Mm -hmm. I flipped out when I found out you were go-giver certified and he was your personal mentor. (laughs) Yes, he's amazing. He's amazing. I I love him. It is such a great philosophy. Um, So anyway, we're here to talk about you today, not Bob. He gets to steal a lot (laughs) of this highlight, but not all of it. So, um, and I was just sharing with you before we came on the show, because you're an adventure coach. So let's talk about that first, and then we'll kind of bring back up what I was just talking about, about why you should be proud of me and how I pushed out of my comfort zone. Um, Yes. Yes. as an adventure coach, you help people get out of their comfort zone and face their fears. What led you, this, you to this passion of yours? It's so funny, Casey, because when I, I was invited on a mission trip uh, in back when I was actually in 
the University of Miami getting my coaching certification. And, and part of this mission trip involved climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. We were raising funds to help Maasai children climb out of poverty. So they did this whole thing. There were 23 climbers and we spent seven days on the mountain, right? Sleeping in full showers. But all the climbers knew that I was in the middle of this coaching journey. So every other day or something, they would say, hey, can I walk with you today? Because I'm having this issue with my boss or having this issue with my spouse or whatever. So we'd, we'd walk. And what I found, Casey, was that we are out in nature. Adrenaline is, is pumping. We are, you know, doing things that are a little bit out of our comfort zone. We're much more open. So I came back from that trip and, and asked my mentor coach at the time and my professor, I said, listen, does adventure coaching exist? And she said, what do you care? It exists now. And, and I found that getting people to face their fears and out of their comfort zone very early in the process, I can accomplish with them in six months what would take me three years at a Starbucks. And I'm not here to just keep people on, on the leash, you know, for coaching. I want to, to, to help you get to where you want to be so that you build your, your own coaching muscles and you're able to coach yourself through things and, and you move on. So that's, that's how that was born. <laughs> and it's been a hell of a ride. <laughs> so I would like for you to share what is the craziest adventure technique you've used with, as a coaching technique. Oh, okay. So I had one of my first coaching clients and I, and I've done this many times since then. So now people know, I, I always tell people my first coaching clients, Marie came to me for coaching and she was just, she had just a, a really toxic relationship, same now the two moved their parents, a house she could no longer afford. And she didn't have much to show for the relationship, except she'd gained like a hundred pounds. And, oh. and I, I knew her from before and it's in a bad spot. So she comes to her coaching and I'm just trying to sort of get her out of her funk. And we have this, this fair, you know, the state fair that comes around once a year. And I said, listen, the youth fair is in town. Let's just go and, you know, have a little fun. And she said, oh, I don't go to the fair. And I said, why? And she said, because I don't write anything. And I said, why? I don't think. And she said, because I'm afraid of heights. So advice number one for anyone out there, you never tell an adventure coach that you are afraid of heights. So we get together and our next, next coaching session, I tell her, meet me at the same Starbucks. It was a Saturday morning. I said, just be there at 5 a.m. And she's crazy. And she shows up at 5 a.m. So I put her in my car. We drive about an hour and a half away. And, and I park at, at Florida Ridge Park and gliding field. And she's looking at me like I had lost my mind and she's getting all red. And I said, listen, your flight is paid for, but you don't have to do it. I'm not going to push you to do it. I'm going to do it. But I had done it many times. And, and as we waited for it to be our turn, she actually built up the courage to do it. And what I noticed was that she was up there at a thousand feet for 11 minutes. And, and she came down and she said, you know, if I told my parents and my kids what I just did, they would leave me. And I said, actually, they will, because I had them record the entire flight and you're going to have enough video and photographs to always remind yourself of that. That fear is just right here. And, and it had nothing to do with me, Casey. It was all her. She dared to get in into the hang glider and she dared to do it. But what I found was that she started disbelieving or trying to prove whether a lot of the other fears and, and limiting beliefs that she had not. 
and she made tremendous headway in no time because she she began to embolden herself which i thought was beautiful so i've done that many times uh, you know and we go climbing and we go mission tripping and people that have never maybe even left their their home city uh, you know traveling to cambodia or to kenya or something and 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 doing that that work that is so a part of us when we're other people and it's just it's just amazing how people come out of come out of that comfort zone and come out of that fear into a whole new world for themselves I take back what I told you earlier about being afraid of heights. <laughs> Too That's, late. I was just kidding. <laughs> Too late. Just kidding. <laughs> you already you already overcame it this weekend. So I did we're, overcome we'll it. Talk this about week. that. Well, it, I faced it. I'm not going to say I overcame it. <laughs> Those drop offs in Colorado are pretty severe. <laughs> yes. Yes, they but, are. So you just mentioned the comfort zone. So let's kind of talk a little mm -hmm. bit. What is your definition of the comfort zone, and what are some tips that you can give people that may not be able to go with you and go hang gliding to get out of their comfort mm -hmm. zone. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I always, I was doing a workshop once and, and I looked up the comfort zone in, in Webster's dictionary and it is defined as a place where someone arrives, where they feel comfortable or complacent. And I'm thinking that is not comfort zone. So to me, it is a graveyard of potential and hope. And it is Ooh. where all dreams go to die. And I don't believe that any life worth living can be lived within the confines of a comfort zone. So a few of the things that I tell people, and only because I've done it myself, and, and Casey, I'm like you, we're, we're not talking the talk, we're, we're walking the walk. I can't, as a coach, take anyone anywhere that I haven't been myself. And people, I'm constantly stretching and, and facing my fears. It's not that I don't fear anything, but I'll face it. I'll face it, like you just said every time. So I think one of the, one of the things is that we need to dream big enough. You know, that phrase that says, if your dreams aren't, they don't scare you, they're not big enough. We need to be dreaming big enough just, just to be uncomfortable enough that forces us to become someone different, to be able to accomplish those dreams. And the only way that we can do that is to constantly push the boundaries of our comfort zone. And that's a daily practice. I, I'm a believer in the, in the Eleanor Roosevelt quote of do one thing every day that scares you. I, I am a firm believer of doing it scared. I, I have proven things to myself that I never imagined could have happened. But it all came from my need and the clarity, big why, and my need to, to constantly stretch and challenge myself. To go there so i think that's that's the one thing i would say is you know what your big why is you know who you need to become to get there and now just stretch you know i'm a big believer of when i hear things over and over again especially on the same day that i need to pay attention <laughs> and one of the things that you said earlier is that doing it scared mm -hmm. the way i heard it today um and it was on hal elrod's podcast he mm -hmm. his guest said if there's something that scares me, then I have to do it. So kind of along yep. those same lines. And, yep, and I actually had another guest that said the same thing. If it scares me, I've got to do it. If I'm scared yep. at all, I have yep. to do it. So I love that you yep. brought that up. And it truly does. I mean, is it, th there's a lot of fear for anything that we do. I mean, starting a podcast. You have a podcast. Mm -hmm. I have a podcast. Absolutely. First time I walked in to record, there was a lot of fear there. 
but yes. it you just keep going back and keep doing it and keep That's doing it and keep it. doing it. Yeah. So, like so another, another, th yeah, for sure. Um, and mm -hmm. I will keep practicing on my heights. I promise. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I'm not going hang gliding. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> I like to have two feet on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that, um, you talk about a lot and that you are as an accountability coach and accountability is a huge space um, or a huge piece that hiring managers look for when they're hiring mm -hmm. for their team. So what is something that, well, first, what does accountability mean to you and how can someone know if they are being accountable? That's a, that's a great question, Casey. And we'll, we'll talk in a minute about what, what it, what it has to do with, with a job seeker now, but I think accountability really is number one, hearty on what it is that you want to accomplish, accomplish, and then just reverse engineering how you want to get there. And I'll, I'll give you the perfect example. When I was working on my private pilot's license, you have to do a cross country solo. And Wait it a sounds minute. a lot more that, Let's just, let's just stop right there for just one second. <laughs> private pilot's license. Yeah. There's nothing this woman doesn't do. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. So, so a cross country solo is part of what you have to do before you get licensed. So, and, and it's not, you fly across the country, you have to land at a different airport or two, and you have to spend two hours in the air. That's, that's, those are the requirements. So when I went to do my first cross country solo, I left from Tamiami airport, flew to Pahokee, which was about an hour away, landed in Pahokee, landed in Belle Glade, that's in central Florida, near Lake Okeechobee, and then had to come back to Tamiami. Now I'm in a 1970s Cessna 2. Those are the best trainer planes. They have a GPS, but you never know if the GPS is gonna go wrong. So I had to have my flight map. I had to map out my flight and I had these waypoints along the way. You know, when you when you get here, you're going to see this long intersection. It's variable from the plane. You're going to see this cell tower. You're going to see this water tower. And those were my posts along the way so that I knew that I wasn't on track. Because if something went wrong with the GPS, by the time I noticed, I might not have enough fuel to get me to where I needed to be, much less get me back. So those waypoints are what I call our accountability metrics. We need to make sure, you know, they always say, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you eat it one bite at a time. Now you need to know, depending on where you want to be and by when you want to be there, when you need to schedule those bites and how big or is to be. And I think the one, the best way to know if someone, if someone has a question of, am I being accountable? Are you accomplishing your goals? Are you setting uncomfortable goals that are just stretching you enough and are you accomplishing them if you're not you're not being accountable and if you are you're doing great congratulations yeah and, and i think that's the one yeah there you go and and i think that's the one way to know if you're being accountable it's it's setting the goals that have a real date you're hitting the mark every time the only in my opinion the only way that that happens is with good accountability excellent excellent um, so, and as far as the job seeker, I mean, how would we relate that to a job seeker? I think with, with the job seeker, you have to know what the goal is. And I think most of them know more or less, you know, what they're looking for, the position, the, the pay, all of that stuff, and then just set really good goals for yourself and track your progress. 
you know, how many interviews are you scheduling? How many connections are you trying to make on LinkedIn with those key people? Uh, another thing that they can do is, is make sure that they're adjusting things that aren't happening, you know, make sure that again, that they have a date by when they want to have this position and it's a numbers game, like everything. I always say the numbers never lie. And, and the other thing is, if there is a way for you to buddy up with someone or join a job seekers accountability group, I think that's a great way to keep yourself accountable because it, what happens, Casey, a lot of times, especially when we're looking for a certain position, you know, that that job search is not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what happens is we say, you know, well, well, I'm not going to, I'll do it tomorrow and I'll do it tomorrow. And before, you know, two months have passed and you're, you know, you're maybe up at your three month goal and you're thinking, I haven't even, so I think it's just setting very clear intentions of what you want to accomplish and then making sure that you're keeping track of that progress. Okay. So, all right, let's say I'm a job seeker and I've gotten the job, I've joined a team and let's, and, and I've, I'm ingrained now, but let's say what, mm -hmm. what, account, what role does accountability play towards, um, in motivation and office morale? Oof. I, I love that. I love that Casey, because I think that that accountability needs to be into, it needs to be baked into the organization. Any organization that's looking to looking to expand, that's looking to scale, that's looking to serve their team, there needs to be an element of accountability. And what happens is, and, and this is the key, and I work with a lot of corporations and, and I do trainings, and I think the corporations that are thriving, even in the midst of, of this pandemic, are those organizations where the people that are involved have a say in the goal. They're involved. They take ownership of the goal. They take ownership of the accounting parameters that are being set. They can't say, well, this was unrealistic because they helped set them themselves. And what happens is not only is it motivating because they own it, but it also keeps the office morale going because they really feel that they had a say in the process. And, and I was to... Um, Dr. Elia Gorgoris, I don't know if you know him and, and Coach I Khan. I do because you introduced me yeah. to him. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. So amazing. Right. And they were saying, you know, employers think that what, what their employees want are, you know, more pay and more attractive benefits and room for advancement. And those don't even score in the top five of what's really going on there when they interview the employees. You know, the employees want to know that, that they're doing work that matters, that, that they are, are appreciated. Okay. And that they're not getting, you know, things out of left field, that they're involved in the process. So I think that, that if the organizations that are really enrolling their teams in having a say in, in those, in those accountability parameters are going to be much in a much better position to thrive than, than those who are just leading, well, not leading, you know, dictating what needs to be done. You know, that really reminds me of coaching, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I'm right. seeing a lot of organizations that are bringing coaches in and then having that coaching mentality inside mm -hmm. the, you know, company instead of that, right. like you said, dictatorship. But mm -hmm. really what you're telling these companies to do is to get buy-in from their employees yeah. and from their teams. 100%. And when you do that, 
people own that process and they're going to be way more productive. Right, right. And I and I think Casey even even to take it a step further when it comes to that that knowing that they're appreciated and knowing that they have some skin in the game, really finding out, you know, taking that that extra effort to find out what goals personal doesn't just have to be professional development, but what are their personal goals? What are their dreams? What are they striving for? And how does the company play into their ability to achieve those goals? Because what happens is then you become enrolled in helping them succeed. And they, I mean, they're going to love the company. I, I just had a conversation with, with some clients this morning. We were in a, in a strategy session and they said that they, they remember speaking to one of, and it was a, a big restoration company where one of the employees had the logo of the company tattooed on his arm. Oh, wow. Now that's they buy-in. <laughs> asked him, you have, and he said, are you kidding? I love it here. I'll never leave. And that type of loyalty can only happen when we, when, when they're growing with us. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I know I talk about yeah. my company all the time. And I, I feel like I'm so fortunate that I've found a place that is so supportive because, you know, the story I've, again, I've mentioned it several times is that, you know, when I went and interviewed with VIP and I really didn't want to make a change at the time, mm -hmm. but instead of them saying, this is what we want you to come here and do, they said, what do you want to do? Oh. In every step of the way, and I can tell you what I told him I wanted to do when I started there, I'm not doing any of that now. Everything I'm doing is completely different. And wow. every step of the way, they've encouraged me and they've been very transparent. And they've been like, you know, what do you want to do today? You know, mm -hmm. and I mean, and it changes. Yes, and I love that. I love it. It's so amazing. I mean, this podcast was born out of that because they're like, mm -hmm. what do you want to do? You know, and so That's very, beautiful. very fortunate. I wish all companies had the same model that they could, yeah. you know, because I'm not going anywhere ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and they're breeding all this, all this innovation that's going to help yeah. them grow. You know, they're Absolutely. giving, they're giving people permission to innovate permission almost to fail. Listen, just try it. And if it doesn't yeah. work, then we'll, 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 we'll pivot. But I, I, I just love, and I know that, that there are a lot of companies that are looking at things differently now, and they really need to be because Casey for, for us, it's one thing, but, but the millennials want to be of something that means something that they know what, what the company stands for. And I think the, the, the companies that are, that are doing that well mm -hmm. are, you know, we, we're, we're hearing about them for sure. And I think, and I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm particularly seeing this, that a lot of companies, true colors are coming out right now. And absolutely, some of it's really, really good. Some of it's like, what, you know? Yes. So absolutely. Um, I think this has been good in a way. I mean, I'm not saying that I want to go through it again, but I'm just saying it's right. really been right. good to let us see <laughs> what you know companies are there that are shining and rising to the top. Mm -hmm. And I will say my company's one of them, for sure. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I want to talk about my favorite subject in the world <laughs> real quick. <laughs> so you are a certified go-giver. And mm -hmm. here at the podcast, I mean, obviously, they get go-giver gets a lot of love from us. So mm -hmm. what role do you think giving plays in a person's career? I, everything. Casey. And, and I think what happens is that, that we can't 
let's bring in the beauty of who we are as people into our careers, obviously, and, 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 you know, maintain that flow of authenticity so that we don't have to be something different when we're work or when we're with our, it's, it's just the same thing. So I think by default, we're born givers and that it feels so much better to give a gift than it is to receive. Uh, so, so I think that the people that are in service mode constantly, and I think that's one of the beautiful things when I, when I first read the go-giver, I had always operated my business like that. I was like an anomaly weirdo, right? Mm -hmm. I, I used to do stuff, you know, veterans didn't pay and, you know, you know, police officers and firefighters who were on the front line, pay. they come to me for, you know, when I had my title company and, and my Danny, who was my, my first assistant, you know, if you charge for what you for free, you'd make a lot more money than what you're actually charging for. But you know, easy. And that was never the reason that I did it, but I always doubled my business with every, with every opportunity that, cause I wasn't looking at the lack on the contrary. I was looking at it from such a place of abundance more than like, if I had more than enough to give. And so it became truth that I always had more than enough to give. So one of the things that I really loved about the go-giver when I first read it was, was almost like, listen, we do exist. We do exist and we're out there. And this is absolutely, uh, I, and I say it's the most beautiful and most rewarding path to success in business is to operate from a place of giving. And we don't know how to, you don't know how to do it any other way because you're a giver. Okay. I wouldn't know how to do it any other way. I could go and get a PhD and doing it differently. I wouldn't know how to do it. So, so I think that's, and I think that, that it's key for us to be able to, to operate from that space because it feeds us. You know, when we go volunteering, a lot of times, times I'll take clients or I'll take groups or, or when I had my company, we would go and volunteer. That's the best way to breathe life into the teamwork of an organization. Just go out and serve the community together. And you're going to come back the following week. I guarantee you, everybody's going to be on a high, like, like there's no tomorrow. And I it's agree. just, it's just, we're, we're just feeding that part of us that naturally that's, that's what we want to do. You, you know, here at VIP, we're all about giving value first. And, mm -hmm. and I tell people all the time, if you give value first, when I'm training them, the money will follow. It has to, Yeah. it Absolutely. just has to. So absolutely. Wow. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> and I think we said this the last time we had a conversation yes, and yes. it's just, you just have so much great information and I just really, really appreciate your time today. I do, however, have our VIP questions that I'd like to ask do you. It, Are girl. you ready? Okay. You got I, this. I think so. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Okay. First of all, going to Mars is on my bucket list. Okay. Oh. I would totally love to do that. Even if, if I didn't have a chance of coming back, just totally, I'm just putting it out there. Um, so I think I would take um, kindness. And that is, uh, the personification of kindness is my daughter. And she is always in a place of service, always in a place of seeing what she can do. She's always going out of her way to see who she can serve and how she can serve them. She's, 
She's 32. She's the delicious, beautiful, adventurous eight-year-old. But my daughter is always in, let's see how we can, how we can serve mode. So I would bring kindness. Um, I would bring integrity and good work ethic. And that is my son personifies integrity. I mean, more in his little pinky than, than most people have in their entire body. And, and it's got a work ethic. Like there's like, there's no tomorrow. And so I would definitely bring my son and then I would bring optimism and that the personification of optimism is my granddaughter, Chloe. She's eight years old and she just, she can see nothing is impossible. Everybody's good uh, until they prove otherwise. And, and life is going to be wonderful no matter what. And, and my husband doesn't listen to anything I do anyway, so it's okay. But he would be my fourth if I had four <laughs> because he can really do any, and he would be able to build us whatever we needed there. But, but those would be, those would be my top three just because of what they, what they represent for us. So he's your MacGyver. He's my MacGyver. He's my Got MacGyver. It. Yeah. Okay. I my love, MacGyver. <laughs> I love how you explain that. That's beautiful. Your kindness and optimism and integrity. That's, that's very unique and beautiful. Do you want to know what Bob said? Thank you. Do it. He refused to go. <laughs> I totally believe it. <laughs> he says, I Bob don't like to travel much. Bob, no, no. Yeah. But Bob, Bob is amazing. He's, he's just amazing. But yeah, I totally, totally get it. <laughs> totally believe it. <laughs> so I'm super curious to hear the answer to this question. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? I read, I read like a crazy person, but I, but I read every morning. I, that's how I start my day. Uh, many times that's how I end my day too. And, and I read as much as I possibly can. What are you reading right Constant now? Learning more. I, right now I am reading outliers and oh. good so far. Malcolm Gladwell, right? Um, yes. Yes. Have you read absolutely. his new book? So no. No, okay, I don't I read just it. Got outliers, but I know. Listen don't. to the audio. The Talking oh, okay. Strangers, it is phenomenal. Really? So, I so good. It. Yep. I talking, love it. Good. Talking to Strangers. That. Good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm enjoying that. So I'm, I'm an avid reader, believe big time. And, and we have access to so much positivity and so many mentors and, and so much at our disposal, just at our fingertips. And people don't take advantage of it, and I don't understand it, but that's okay. Uh, but but I do I do read, and that's how I usually. Start. And I'm up at five in the morning, so my five to seven a.m. is is usually that that reading, you know, journaling, that that sort of thing. It starts with Love reading. It. Love it. Um, so if your life's story was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? I would say it has to be spreading optimism. Spreading optimism is an adventure. Mm, I like that. Spreading optimism is an adventure. Yeah, that would I be like it. that. I, and I do think that summarizes who you are right there in a nutshell. So how do people yeah. find you, Berta? Thank you. So I'm, I'm easy. I'm Berta Medina, uh, B-E-R-T-A-M-E-D-I-N-A on LinkedIn. And that's my website as well. Everywhere else, I am Dreamers Succeed on Instagram, Facebook, 
uh, I'm very, very active in the LinkedIn sandbox. So that's, that's usually the easiest place, but yeah, that's it. That's, that's where they find me. Well, and I would like to encourage our audience that if you do reach out to Berta via LinkedIn, make sure you send a note with that and let, let her know that you heard about her on the We Are VIP podcast. Thank you. So, Casey, I, I just want to say, you know, that I'm, that I love you totally. And I am <laughs> so honored to be here. And I, I just love who you are and everyone that comes back that knows you is always singing your praises and I'm Aww. not surprised, but just thank you for all that you're doing to lift us up always constantly. Well, thank thank you. you for that. Don't make me cry on my podcast. No, girl, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, Berta, I just have one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com. <laughs>